Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends here on Breadbox Media. I am really excited this week to welcome to the show a first-time guest. I hope he will become a regular with us because the topic we're about to discuss is quite important. Joining us is Father Sebastian Walsh. And Father is a Norbertine canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California, where he is the Dean of Studies for the Seminary Program. He joins us today to discuss his wonderful new book, Understanding Marriage and Family, A Catholic Perspective. Welcome to the show, Father Sebastian Walsh. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be with you. It's really terrific to be with you. First of all, I have to say that we're neighbors. Um, I'm I'm living down the down the way in in uh, Los Angeles, so it's always great to talk to somebody oh, okay. from California. And I actually grew <laughs> up in Orange County too, in the Diocese of Orange. I went to St. Barbara's Parish for uh, oh. my elementary school, and then um, to Modern Day High School. So you're in my wow. old well, stomping so- grounds. Yeah, so you'll have to come by and visit our new abbey when it's when it's finished. So it's it's being built right now, and soon it'll be finished. So I you'll understand close it's going to take a drive down. Yeah, I will take you up on that as soon as I can. It's as soon as I'm not sheltering in place, I will definitely <laughs> come down there. Um, I wanted to ask you before we dive into the book to maybe share just a little bit more about how you discovered your vocation. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I was, I guess I'm what you call a little bit of a late vocation. I came to the Abbey when I was 29, and um, I was a convert to Catholicism, so the priesthood was not on my, you know, radar screen early on in life. And um, and like most young men, you know, I went through college, I dated, I wasn't thinking so much about the priesthood. But when I was doing graduate studies out at uh, Catholic University, I was studying philosophy, I was thinking about, um, you know, teaching in philosophy. Uh, I got to be close friends with a, a young man who's a seminarian for the Diocese of Raleigh, North Carolina. And through that friendship, 
I really got to, you know, Aristotle has a saying, he says, a friend is like another self. Huh? And, and so through that friendship, I could see myself for the first time, hey, I wonder if, if I could do the same thing, because I had so much respect for him that he was giving up marriage and family and basically devoting his whole life to Christ. And, uh, and I thought, well, maybe God will give me that gift and, and maybe I'll, I'll be able to make that sacrifice. So I, I um, thought to myself, well, where will I go? And I just had two criteria, and I wanted a place that was serious about holiness and faithful to the teachings of the church. And, and uh, there was this abbey near where I grew up, down in Orange County, that fit the bill. So I came and visited, and, and I stayed, and here I am. Wow, that's amazing. And um, can you give us a little bit of a, an introduction to the Norbertines and specifically um, your charisms and um, yeah. what we need to know about Norbertines? Yeah, so uh, not surprisingly, we're, we're founded by St. Norbert, and uh, our order was founded um, almost exactly 900 years ago. It was 1121 on Christmas Day, so next year we'll be celebrating 900 years as an order. And uh, the, the reason our order was founded was part of a larger reform movement started by Pope St. Gregory VII called the Gregorian Reform. And, um, and there were really two large spearheads to that. There was the monastic side, and, and the reform of the monastic side was spearheaded by St. Bernard of Clairvaux. And then there was the clerical side, which is the priests, and that was spearheaded by St. Norbert. And so basically the purpose of our order, if you had to say there was a charism at the time it was founded, was to reform the clergy, was to reform the priesthood. So if ever our order was necessary and someone to fulfill that charism was necessary, I think it's today because we know the, the clergy has, has had a lot of shortcomings recently. And, um, and so that's our purpose is to reform the clergy. So the idea is to have priests live together, to have authentic poverty, huh? and a life completely centered upon the worship of God. So for us, the heart of our life should be the Eucharist. And at our Abbey, uh, we begin each day with Mass in the morning. We end each day with a Holy Hour, Eucharistic Holy Hour every night. And so um, when you see St. Norbert represented in iconography, he's always holding up a monstrance or sometimes a chalice of the precious blood because he, um, he was known for his defense of the Eucharist and the, the centrality of the Eucharist in, in the way of life which he founded and established. So beautiful. And thank you for that primer. That's so, so helpful to me. I wanted to um, open up a conversation about the book, Understanding Marriage and Family, A Catholic Perspective. Tell me why you decided to take on this particular topic in your writing. Well, I, uh, I teach at a, our, our Abbey Prep School here, and we have high school kids. And um, I was asked to, to um, do the senior religion class here, so teaching the seniors and it was a kind of a, an ethics slash patristics slash apologetics class. It was kind of a hodgepodge of things. But what I found was that more and more um, high school students were desperately in need of some explanation of the church's teaching on marriage and family because the whole culture has radically shifted on that. And, and the kids were unable to defend, you know, just the basic, you know, truths about marriage and family. And so I thought, well, okay, what they really need now more than anything is a, a, a kind of a robust, carefully thought out um, defense of marriage and family where I just take up all the different objections that they'll be likely to hear when they're kind of out there in the world raising their own families, trying to explain to their own children, you know, why 
a marriage is between one man and one woman and why it's for life and, and why it's for the sake of, of having children and so forth. And, um, and I found that, uh, that they were so grateful and so appreciative of that year after year um, and and year and every year the kids keep coming back and thanking me for you know for the help that I gave them uh, that um, eventually they they encouraged me to to put it into a book form and and to um, to have it published and that's what happened so wow. that's the origin of the book is really just helping you know young people today navigate the very dangerous waters of marriage and family. We're coming through and we're actually still in the midst of this time when we're, I, I feel that we're sort of intensely focused on the domestic church, um, given the fact that for so many of us, we're unable to, or um, possibly unable to attend mass in person and receive the Eucharist and in person. And so we find, you know, this, um, this sort of time where families are grappling with how do we live out our faith in our homes? And it's something we've been called to do for years, but now more than ever, when we can't rely on church for uh, mass or religious education, you know, there's this big focus on it now. I'm wondering what you might say to encourage families who find themselves in this, um, in this space and kind of how um, we can be, um, church um, with one another. Yes, that's a great. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, first, I want to just let people know it's been done before, you know, um, and in much more extreme circumstances than the ones that we're in today. Um, in the early church, sometimes there, you know, you you might go years without seeing a priest. And there's actually a case that in Japan. There were originally Jesuit missionaries that went, and they were all persecuted and killed and taken out. So in Japan, there were something like 200 years that they did not have priests, and they just went from generation to generation baptizing and catechizing their children, you know, and they survived. The Catholics survived in Japan for something like 200 years without a priest, and then when the priests finally came back, they welcomed them, and there was a, there was a Catholic community that was still flourishing after 200 years. So it can be done. Um, one of the, the main focuses is be well catechized yourself. So there's, you know, one reason why this book is, is helpful. It's, it's a good catechesis on marriage and family. And, um, and fervently practice your faith. You know, it's, um, you know, a priest can bring you the sacraments, but you have to bring your heart, you know, on fire for the sacraments. And and right now, I think God is calling families to draw closer together because one uh, side benefit of this whole kind of quarantine situation is that families are forced to stay together. And fathers, very often who find themselves, and sometimes also mothers, find themselves outside the home working, are now back at home with their families. And so it's a really important time for families to, to grow closer together. And it's a, it's a really beautiful time, in fact, that I found has been filled with blessings for many of the families I've talked to so far. I, I believe that too, and I believe it is an opportunity if we look at it from a positive perspective. I'm wondering if you might speak um, a little bit for families who, what what you put forward in the in the book is the church's teachings are the church's teachings, but for families who maybe find themselves in a broken space at this point, is there hope? Oh, yes, absolutely. The last part of my book, the very last part of my book, is a, um, is a section on, you know, basically what is a, uh, an ideal Christian family supposed to look like, 
and then here here are the ways in which there can be failings. And then it has a whole bunch of advice about how to heal corruptions in family life, how to, you know, um, forgive, how to find uh, peace and healing, even when not everyone in the family is um, is able to uh, to live the Christian life and so forth. So I give a lot of advice. It's practical advice. It's based on the many, many families I've ministered to as a priest over the years. And even families where there's a lot of problems, um, each person can take personal responsibility for their own healing. And so, um, you know, I, I really do believe that there's hope for anyone who really wants to dedicate themselves to the Christian life. And I've seen really miracles, too. But one of the things it begins with is it begins with submitting your mind to the truth and saying, okay, here's what the truth is about my family. Now I've got to try and live according with that truth, you know. If we don't have the truth, then all our good intentions will be for naught. You know, we'll just keep on living in a way that doesn't doesn't fit human nature and it doesn't fit the you know the the um, demands of God's grace. I think that's um, a beautiful tone of your book, and that it's expressed that way too, with a very loving, um, fatherly perspective. Even though you're not a biological father, I can sense that um, your closeness to family is really. Um, shining through here. I'm wondering what advice you would have for parents, especially parents of teens and young adults who um, are kind of parenting in a, a complicated age. What what wisdom can you give them? <laughs> yeah, Aside from was, by the um, book, which is a, an unspoken. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, when I was young, I uh, I grew up nearby, a few blocks down from a, a very large Catholic family, and. Uh, and the um, those parents were able to keep all. They had 17 children, if you can imagine, and they were able to keep all of their children Catholic their whole lives long, which is amazing. And I remember talking to the dad, who had an, an incredible amount of practical wisdom at this point in his life, having raised all 17 of his children through their teenage years. And he said to me, "You know, raising a teenager is like catching a 50-pound fish with a five-pound line." <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's that's. What do you mean by that? And he says, you know, it's you you can't do drastic measures. It's just a war of attrition. You pull in for a while, and then you you know sometimes you got to give them a little bit of leash. You pull in. You just it's a it's a constant, regular kind of you know um, drawing them back towards you know what's right and what's good without taking any kind of drastic, you know, sudden measures that might break or rupture the relationship. Huh? So there's one just little practical piece of advice I can give as far as just the methods of uh, raising your kids there. Um, the other thing is, you know, you on your side, you have to be a witness to the beauty and joy of your Catholic faith. And, and if your children, for example... If they think of the Catholic faith as something that brings about joy and unity in your family, then whatever else goes wrong with things, they'll always remember that, and eventually they'll want that same thing in their lives. But if they see the Catholic faith as a source of division in the family, so let's say, as often happens, one spouse is much more devout than the other, and then the, the devout spouse is constantly criticizing the spouse that's not devout and saying he's not good enough or she's not good enough or whatever, then the kids see the faith as a wedge between their parents. And so then they're going to drift away from the faith. And, um, and so that's the other piece of advice I give is, 
your faith teaches you to love your spouse regardless of whether they're a believer, regardless of whether they're devout. You do your part to love um, your spouse and let your kids see that your faith makes you a better husband, a better wife, a better mom, a better dad. So beautiful. Father Sebastian, I'm so grateful. I'm really grateful to have discovered your work and and to know of your ministry. And I want to assure you that um, I'm going to be praying for you and your brother Canons, um, especially during the development of the new Abbey. It's going to be such a great gift to the community and to our church, really, too. Um, we'll have links in our show notes to um, the links to purchase this beautiful book, Understanding Marriage and Family, a Catholic Perspective. Is there any kind of um, other information you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you get back to uh, your work and prayer life? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thank you for your prayers for our community. That's I, We really treasure those. And, and um, like I said, please feel welcome to come whenever you can. Um, as far as just information of where you could get the book, you could go online to Amazon. It's there available on Amazon. Um, and um, and I think it's also on Barnes and Noble. And then there's the original publisher as well. It's called the Ruka Press, and um, and they have a website as well, and you can purchase it directly from them. So I think it's A R O U C A Ruka Press. So any of those ways are um, uh, ways you can uh, look at the line, the book online and order it yourself. Awesome. Is it possible that if somebody would have a follow up question for you, are you able to be contacted by a letter or an email somehow yeah. through? So you could go to just uh, St. Michael's Abbey in California. You can just type that into Google, and our our um, Abbey webpage will come up. And then there's contact, the general kind of contact information line for the Abbey. And then uh, you could send questions uh, to that via email, and they will forward those to me. That happens to me all the time when I do other interviews on different things. So uh, St. Michael's Abbey in California and, and – uh, that's how you can reach me. Awesome. And we'll have that link in our show notes as well. I'm truly, truly grateful for your witness, for um, all that you do to lift up families and, and for uh, a new friendship in, in Christ. I'm really grateful today. Thank you so much, Lisa. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Well, that has been our conversation with Father Sebastian Walsh. I definitely want to point you to the book. It's called Understanding Marriage and Family, A Catholic Perspective. We'll have links in the show notes over at the website, lisahendy.com, for um, how you can get a hold of the book in a variety of different places. And I really do want to recommend it as a great a great prim- primer um, for what the church really teaches about marriage and family and some practical and very um, wonderful ways to live that in your home. Until next time, I wish you and yours all the best. Have an excellent week and God bless. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at CatholicSingles.com.